Hey youth leaders, do you ever feel like you need help? Being a youth leader is a challenge and it's hard to know exactly what you need to do. Our sponsor, Lead the Cause, will help your youth ministry take the next step. Lead the Cause is a week-long summer training event hosted by Dare to Share. During this week, your students will learn how to live on mission for Christ, how to share their faith, and you, as a youth leader, will learn how to continually help your students in ministry grow. You don't want to miss this amazing week of God-centered training. Sign up for the Lead the Cause Insider list today to find out about early bird ticket prices and some free trainings at leadthecause.org backslash insider. Or just to learn more about Lead the Cause, go to leadthecause.org. Now here's the show. Hey leaders, this is Jason Lamb with Dare to Share Ministries. We want to thank you again for dialing in to Gospelize with Greg Steer, Youth Ministry with a Kick. We are in our third episode of a seven-episode series on how to build a gospel-advancing ministry. This month, Greg breaks down leaders fully embrace and model it. We're in for a real treat. When you think in terms of leaders fully embrace and model it, I want to have you all check out leadthecause.org, an amazing experience that we'll talk about a little bit later at the end of the podcast, but a great way to get your students and adult leaders to be leaders who fully embrace and model the cause of Jesus Christ. As a reminder, make sure you rate review and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Again, thanks so much for being here. Here's Greg Steer. We're right in the middle of how to build a gospel advancing ministry. We're at value number three, which is leaders fully embrace and model it. And this is true when it comes to the gospel. It also is true when it comes to a culture. I know for 25 years, we did Dare to Share training conferences. We do these two-day conferences, brought in, you know, the big semi-truck full of sand and light and set it up. And we kind of had a thing, and it was at the end of every conference, we would encourage everybody, not mandate, but we'd encourage everybody to help load the truck. And you could kind of see who thought they were above loading the truck and who was willing to jump in. And if they were willing to jump in consistently and at least try, at least for a little bit, load that truck, we knew, okay, they're of us. They got that that value of hard work. Uh, They're modeling servanthood for the students, and they're willing to do that not just by loading the truck at the end, but to serve the students uh, throughout the weekend. I remember one time we were interviewing a guy from a major ministry who was a VP for this ministry. He wanted to work for Dare to Share, and he came to a Dare to Share conference in a suit and tie, which is fine. Uh, and I remember at the end, we're all loading the truck, and he was just kind of standing there watching. I was, you know, I was pushing something up a ramp uh, to get on the truck, and I remember stopping, and he said, you know, when I worked for this major organization, I never picked up a box. And I remember looking at him and saying, well, that's, that's fine, but if you want to work for us, you better start, start working. Well, he took off his suit jacket, he rolled up his sleeves, and he dove in. You know, and it ended up he was part of that DNA. He had that DNA. We need that that same kind of DNA in our youth ministries, not when it comes to loading the truck, uh, but when it comes to advancing the gospel of Christ. And the value we're going to talk about today is leaders fully embrace and model it. In other words, the adult leaders and the student leaders that you choose to lead the way for your youth ministry should model a gospel-advancing life. Now, I can't help but think back to uh, my life growing up, my youth ministry growing up. Uh, I was a part of this youth ministry. It was nicknamed Youth Ranch for whatever reason. And I've shared this before, but I had leaders who invested in my life and who modeled what it looked like to live a gospel-advancing life. I think of Kenny Sanchez, 
who uh, was a youth leader of mine, and his brother Timo, Timo Sanchez, they modeled what it looked like to lead people to Jesus Christ, to share the gospel, to make and multiply disciples. And they kept me accountable uh, to do that as well. They set the pace uh, with their their lives. I think of Mark Schweitzer. Um, Mark Schweitzer was my coach for a little while, but a youth leader as well. And man, I remember him and his wife, Kim, inviting me over to their house when I was 14, 15, 16 years old, pouring into my life, investing in me, equipping me to share the gospel. And boy, I saw it modeled in Mark and Kim. Uh, I think of, uh, on a student level, Richie Martinez. He was a couple years older than me, but he was one of those kids. It was a great basketball player, kind of a popular student, but he was passionate about living and giving the gospel. I remember him challenging me and pouring into my life. And it was a pattern that if you were a student leader uh, or an adult leader in this youth ministry, you had to be living this gospel advancing life. And it wasn't just them. I mean, I think of Coach Bill Adams. I think of Renee Younger. I think of Brenda Woodgren. I think of Joe Potter, Dave and Lisa Cannon, George Heckman, and so many more. Uh, In our youth ministry, if you weren't willing to live the gospel and to share the gospel on a consistent basis, then you weren't an adult leader or you would not be a student leader. That set the pace. So I knew what I had to do as a teenager because I saw it modeled by the student leaders, the older student leaders, and I saw it modeled by the adult leaders and the youth leaders. It is so crucial that we are leading the way personally and that we're getting our adult and student leaders to lead the way as well. Uh, Listen, this this is crucial because when you see Jesus and the way that he led uh, you'll see that he set the pace personally, but then his adult leaders, his student leaders, led the way as well. Peter was probably the only one who was over the age of 20. Uh, the, youth, the, the, the other disciples were, were probably teenagers themselves, but he invested in them for three and a half years, and then when he left the scene, uh, they were ready to go. They were ready to lead the way. Isn't it interesting that Jesus had three and a half years of investment into his disciples. And when you kind of subtract summer breaks, that's about the same amount of time we get to invest in our students and our student leaders from ninth to 12th grade. So it's interesting, but Jesus prepared them. He poured into them and then he unleashed them. And by the time we get to Acts chapter four, which is just a few months, uh, most likely just a few months after Jesus ascended into heaven, you'll see Peter and John as leaders of this gospel advancing movement that we call the church. And they were ready to go because Jesus had invested in them. And again, our goal is to invest in our adult leaders and our student leaders so that when we're out of there, they can continue to invest in others. We see this really in Acts 4, 12, and 13, which is going to be our key passage uh, for today's podcast. Uh, Peter and John are, are preaching, and Peter says, Speaking of Jesus, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, who were they? They were the the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council that they were appearing before, giving an account of why they continued to preach this message of Jesus. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Boy, could you imagine that? 
Here they crucify Christ. His disciples flee into the night. Jesus ascends, uh, resurrects from the dead, spends some relational investment with the disciples over the course of 40 days, ascends into heaven, sends his spirit. And now they can sense and see that same spirit of Jesus that, that drove Jesus' earthly ministry driving them. And, and you can see how Jesus built into Peter, an adult leader, and John, we'll call him a student leader, this gospel-advancing leadership um, philosophy and strategy. They were ready to go. We could see three defining characteristics of a gospel-advancing leader, whether they be student or adults, from this passage. So number one, leaders who model a gospel-advancing life are, number one, clear in their message. Clear in their message. Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Jesus preached a clear message to the disciples, and they preached that clear and simple message to the Jews in Acts 3 and 4. They were clear in their message. So our adult leaders and our student leaders need to, like Peter and John, be clear in their message. The brand of leader that really transforms students has that message down and it's clear and it's transformative. I'm convinced that one of the reasons we don't see more transformation in our teenagers when it comes to the gospel is not enough of our teenagers hear the gospel clearly and consistently. So if your adult leaders know it and your student leaders know it, they can articulate it. If they don't, then they can articulate it clearly enough for those students to be fully and truly transformed. There's an old saying, if there's a mitz, a mitz, if there's a mist in the pulpit, there's a fog in the pew. That means if the preacher is unclear, then it's going to be super unclear to the audience. What's true of preachers is true of adult and student leaders. We need to help our leaders and our students clearly understand that message of the gospel. A couple things about that message. Number one, it's an exclusive message. Verse 12 reminds us there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And what is that name? Verse 10 and 11 of chapter 4 tell us. It's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus' stone you build is rejected, which has become the cornerstone. So it's the name of Jesus Christ, and it's an exclusive uh, message. It's an exclusive way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And again, Peter says salvation is found in no other name. Jesus is the only way. I remember when I was uh, in India, uh, boy, 28 years ago or so, uh, preaching the gospel. I preached 56 times in 18 days, mostly schools and mostly to Hindu teenagers. And when I was preaching the message of the gospel, I wanted to use a visual to really make it clear that Jesus was exclusively the way. Because in India, there's like over 100 million different gods that you can choose from. Uh, you can believe in multiple gods. And so there's this kind of have it your own way. And if you don't preach Jesus as the way, uh, they'll just kind of throw Jesus on onto their you know counter as one of the many, many gods that they believe in and worship. So I remember taking a chair out onto the stage, and I talked about who Jesus was and how he claimed to be the way, the truth, the life, that you have to have faith in him and him alone. And I said, now, what does it mean to have trust in this chair? And I said, uh, it means to put your full weight upon it. And I'd 
put one foot up on the chair and I go, am I fully trusting in this chair? And the teenagers would yell out, no. And I said, what do I need to do? And every time somebody would yell out, stand up on the chair. And so I'd stand on the chair, put both feet on the chair. I go, now, am I fully trusting in this chair? And they would just, I don't know why. They would they just thought it was hilarious. They would go, ha ha, he's standing upon the chair. I'm like, it's not that funny. Anyway, I was standing fully upon the chair, my full weight on the chair. And I gave the rest of the gospel standing on the chair because I was trying to communicate to them, Jesus is the way the truth, the life. Salvation is found in no other name but Christ alone. And when we put our full weight of faith upon him, we are saved. And our teenagers desperately need to hear that. I hope, and I've said this before, I'll say it again. I hope you do not assume that just because kids show up to youth group or just because they're in small group that they necessarily understand that gospel message. They need to know Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. Because be honest with you, uh, 21st century America is more like India in many, many ways. Students will just take Jesus and put him on a shelf as, hey, that's fine if you follow Jesus or, or Buddha or uh, Allah or whatever your God happens to be. That's fine. We'll just kind of mix them all together. Jesus is on the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's an exclusive offer. But it's also an inclusive offer. Verse 12, it's inclusive in the words of Peter. The way of salvation is given to mankind. There's no person on the planet who cannot receive him. Salvation is open for all who believe, no matter what their race, religion, color, or creed. All can receive the good news of Jesus through faith. Someone is gay, doesn't matter. They're a criminal, doesn't matter. Satanist, serial killer, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. If they receive Jesus through faith, they are forgiven, they are saved. They're adopted into the family of God, and then Jesus begins that good work of transformation that he began in all of us. We need to preach that exclusive, inclusive message to our students, and we need to train our leaders to articulate that clearly. By the way, if you're watching this, you stumbled on this podcast, or maybe you're a youth leader, maybe you're an adult volunteer, and you don't know for sure you have that relationship with Jesus, listen, God loves you, he cares about you, but that sin that we commit separates us from him, and those sins could never be removed by good deeds. So 2,000 years ago, God sent his son, Jesus, to the earth. He lived a perfect life we could never live. He died the horrible death that we deserve. And he paid the price for our sin on the cross. He rose from the dead three days later. He offers eternal life to all who put their faith and trust in Jesus. And if you do that now, you have eternal life. And it's a personal, permanent relationship with the God of the universe. So if you've never put your faith in Christ, if you've never stood upon the chair, so to speak, I challenge you, trust in Jesus. If you already have done that, make sure your students and your adult leaders can articulate that message like I just articulated it to you. Help them have what we call gospel fluency. Gospel fluency. Now, we use an acrostic at Dare to Share. I won't go over that now, but it's a gospel acrostic that clearly lays out the message. Actually, I just kind of went over it in my gospel presentation with you, right? That's how we create gospel fluency. From Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, telling the whole story of the gospel. How are you going to create gospel fluency in your adult leaders and your student leaders? I encourage you. Maybe it starts with having them, you know, go to daretoshare.org and download the acrostic and memorize it word for word. And I know that sounds old school, 
But that's exactly what we do at Dare to Share, and that's what we've seen. When students know that message and they can articulate that message, they're ready to share that message. So make sure that your adult leaders and student leaders have gospel fluency. They're clear in their message. Leaders fully embrace and model it. They're clear in their message. Secondly, they're courageous in their witness. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, it says they were astonished. They saw the courage in Peter and John. Right? They, they saw, here's, here's the Sanhedrin watching again, the ones that fled into the night. Peter, who disowned Jesus three times uh, you know, before morning, before the rooster crowed, uh, this same one, these same ones are now bold in their faith. And they're courageous to proclaim. There's something about courage, by the way, that inspires more courage. When your adult leaders and student leaders are courageous, it will inspire the rest of your students to be courageous. We see this in the Old Testament when Jonathan and his armor bearer courageously, you know, climbed a cliff to fight the Philistines and inspired courage in the other Israelites. When David stood up to Goliath and defeated that giant, all the adult uh, uh, Israeli soldiers were hiding in their foxholes, catapulted out with a shout, chased the Philistines down and inspired Courage. What's true in the Old Testament with war is true in the New Testament when it comes to evangelism. Peter and John's courage in this passage inspired courage in the rest of the church. You see this courage at the beginning of chapter 4 in Peter and John. You see it with the congregation at the end of chapter 4. When, when it says they were, they, after they prayed, the place where the meeting was shaken, they were filled with the Spirit, went out and spoke the Word of God boldly. Peter and John's courage inspired uh, courage in the congregation. Again, think of it this way. If, if John was still a teenager and Peter was an adult, the adult and student leader in that youth group inspired courage in the rest uh, of the group. We need courageous leaders. It's essential for evangelism. It's also essential for the discipleship process. There's a great uh, book out, new book, uh, called Faith for Exiles, written by David Kinneman and Mark Matlock. If you have not uh, downloaded that book or purchased that book, I encourage you to go to Amazon Prime. If you're not a Prime member, join Amazon Prime. It's only $99 a year. Anyway, um, but get the book. Get the book. It is phenomenal. And it talks about, the. it's called Faith for Exiles because it really kind of uses the example of Babylon, that we're in a modern-day Babylon. And just like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, kind of thrived in the midst of Babylon, that our students can thrive in the, spiritually in the midst of Babylon. And it talks about the five characteristics of what they describe as resilient young Christians. In other words, Teenagers and 20-somethings that don't just keep their faith after they graduate, but they literally thrive long-term after they graduate. And one of their characteristics is that they engage in a countercultural mission. They engage in a countercultural mission. In other words, they're, um, they're evangelistic. They're willing to share their faith. Page 181 of this book, this excellent book, They write, among more than 40 statements and factors in the category of countercultural mission, the most commonly embraced among resilient disciples is this. I want to see other, I want others to see Jesus reflected in me through my words and actions. 
Nine out of 10 resilience strongly agree. Three quarters strongly feel that I personally have responsibility to tell others about my religious beliefs. And two thirds are excited by the mission of the church in today's world. Boy, I tell you, I love that. That one of the def- one of the five defining characteristics of resilient young Christians, resilience, is that they are engaged in evangelism. That they want to live it and they want to give it. They are articulating that message of the gospel and they feel supported by their church. So let me ask you, are you supporting your students when it comes to that kind of resilient faith, to pushing them out, getting them to share their faith? In the book, uh, they talk about getting teenagers to take, in their words, epic risks. Epic risks. And it is my contention that there is nothing more epically risky than teenagers sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ specifically to their friends. We've seen this in 28 years of doing Dare to Share uh, events, um, lead the cause. We have students call their friends and share the gospel over the phone. And it is epically risky. You can feel the epic risk in the room as students pray. And they almost sometimes just shaking, dial the names of their, uh, the phone numbers of their friends and begin that gospel conversation. At Dare to Share Live, we have them send out gospel conversations starting videos or pictures to their friends and navigate a texting conversation. Um, we also, at almost all of our events, take students out in some way to engage in gospel conversations. And it is risky. And it is epically risky. And it's that epic risk that forges the fire of a faith that lasts long term in the hearts and souls of these teenagers. Now, I, I know there's, there's some that say, man, I don't know. I don't know if my, my kids are ready for that. I don't know how safe that is for them emotionally. I don't know how safe that is for them if they're out sharing Christ with somebody on the street uh, with the gospel. But Kinnaman and Matlock write this. Here's where things get tricky. The Christian community, including parents, church leaders, and other well-meaning stakeholders, sometimes work at cross-purposes with regard to young disciples, participation in countercultural mission. We try to keep them insulated. We helicopter parent them. We imagine that safety and security are kingdom values. Oh, man. We, we imagine that safety and security are kingdom values. They are not. Uh, we want them to change the world around them, but only at a reasonable distance we like the idea of countercultural mission, but in practice, here in exile, it's kind of terrifying. Living faithfully in Jerusalem when everything is neat and predictable is a different animal from faithfulness in Babylon. Too many of our ministry efforts prepare people for a world that doesn't exist, undercutting our witness and passing flimsy faith to the next generation because, honestly, we are scared. Man, I don't know what that does in your mind, but I, it make, you know what it does in my mind? It makes me thankful for every adult leader and student leader in my youth ministry growing up that challenged me to live a life of epic risk. If you want to thank somebody for Dare to Share, don't thank me. Thank the adult leaders and the student leaders who set the pace for me when I was a teenager. I want to challenge you to get your kids to take epic risks. Not just micro risks. You know what a micro risk is? Invitation. If a teen invites their friend out to youth group, that's a that's a good risk. 
I don't want to downplay that. It's good that teens invite their friends out to youth group or to an outreach where they can hear the gospel. That is a micro risk. It's not an epic risk. You know, a little step up maybe is, is getting your kids out on a missions trip. I believe in missions trip. And I believe it's good to take students into different cultures. But so many times in those missions trips, they're not, they're not, they're not intertwined with gospel conversations. It's painting a wall or it's building a hut or it's, it's you know, serving in some physical way. I, I encourage you to do all that and have students share the gospel because it really is gospel proclamation that is the most epic risk that your students can take because they're not going to get persecuted in any way whatsoever for helping other people. What they'll get persecution from is articulating in the midst of that help that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, that no one comes to the Father but by him, that salvation is found in no other name but Jesus and Jesus alone. And the most epic risk your students take is not a once-a-year missions trip. It's not a once-a-month invitation to an outreach meeting where they can hear the gospel. The most epic risk they take is every day when they go to school, will they bring up that name that salvation is found in? Will they look for opportunities to pray, pray, care, and share for those who do not know Jesus Christ? If they're willing to do that, if they're willing to do that, they're going to participate in that epic risk. And how will they know how to do that? They'll see it modeled in the adult leaders in youth group because that will spill out. And they'll see it modeled in the student leaders in youth group. And they'll think to themselves, by God's grace, I can do that as well. Do your leaders have gospel courage? Do they have gospel courage? If not, I challenge you to challenge them, to push them, to pray for them, to encourage them, to find their way of articulating the gospel message and to be faithful to do that. Gospel advancing leaders, these, these leaders that fully embrace and model it, are clear in their message. They're, they're courageous in the way, in their witness. And finally, they're credible in their lifestyle. I'm sure you've heard the old saying, your actions speak so loudly I can't hear what you're saying. So it's not just a matter of articulating the right message. It's living that message out. That's what I love about this passage in verse 13 of Acts chapter 4. And they realized that Peter and John were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Now notice that their credibility is not rooted in their schooling work title or background. They were uneducated, untrained men. And in the Greek, that word uneducated is agramatos, which means unlettered, illiterate, unlearned. Untrained means, the Greek word is idiotes. You know where we get that, uh, the idea of idiot. So these, these were illiterate or unlearned, idiotic men. They were just normal, blue-collar dudes who'd been transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
and they were fully rooted in their time with Jesus. So it didn't just, it wasn't the fact that they were not rooted in their schooling, work, title, or background. It was that they were fully rooted in their time with Jesus. What did that actually mean for them? Well, for three and a half years, they were with Jesus. They were disciples. They were along his side. But that didn't stop after Jesus ascended because Jesus sent his spirit. They spent time in scripture. They spent time in prayer. They spent time in worship on a regular basis. And so if we want our leaders to really make a difference, our adult leaders and student leaders, it's not just them being courageous in their witness. They got to be credible in their lifestyle. Everybody's got to know that those leaders spend time with Jesus. They don't get that position in youth ministry because of titles or because they're cool or the former high school quarterback. They get, the, they get those positions because they spend time with Jesus. What does that look like? It means reading scripture. Our adult leaders and student leaders, do they spend time in the word? I mean the whole word. And again, I'm not saying it's got to be a daily thing at a certain time, but there's got to be a rhythm. And I really challenge you to help your adult leaders and student leaders find that time uh, in the word, in prayer, in worship on a regular basis. And if they're not willing to kind of engage in a rhythm, I don't want to be, you don't want to be legalistic about it, but if they're not willing to kind of spend time with Jesus in his word, and by the way, when you spend time with Jesus in his word, it's not just reading the red letters. That's a myth, right? Like some people are like, well, it's just, you know, you just spend time just in the gospels and really it's about the red letters. The spirit of Jesus inspired from Genesis to Revelation. Every single word of scripture comes from Jesus. So they're all red letters, right? So get your students into all the red letters, all the scripture, and have them spend time with Jesus. That's how Jesus speaks to them. And then they speak to him through prayer. And as they build that relationship with God, well, I tell you, that will overflow into the way they share their faith. It's not just that time in scripture uh, or a time with Jesus in prayer and scripture and worship. It's also a moment by moment quest to live empowered by the spirit of God. That means throughout the day that they are seeking God's help, that they're asking God to fill him, uh, fill them with his Holy Spirit so that the spirit of Jesus is living through them so that Jesus is literally living his life. And like Paul says in Galatians 2, it's no longer I who live my life. It's I live my life by faith in the Son of God who died and gave himself up for me. It's Christ living through me. And that's what you want. You want your students and your leaders, your adult students and, and um, your adult leaders and student leaders living this life of dependence on God. That's how they get that gospel credibility. Do your leaders have that gospel credibility? Not perfection, but progression. So gospel advancing leaders, the ones that fully embrace and model it, they're clear in their message. Do they have gospel fluency? If not, train them in the gospel. They're courageous in their witness. They're taking epic risks to live their faith and especially to share their faith. And they're credible in their lifestyle. In other words, when students look at them, they know that they had spent time with Jesus. And that's the impact. I think of Luke Long. He's a youth leader at Atonement uh, Free Lutheran Church in Arlington, Washington. And Luke was telling me, actually, this morning uh, on the phone, we were talking about this. 
he told me about how, you know, when he kind of first got into youth ministry, they began to develop this kind of super complicated discipleship strategy and a lot of layers to it. And evangelism was sprinkled in, but he kind of got a hold of this gospel advancing philosophy. And he said, what if, what if we flipped it? And what if we began with the kind of the cornerstone of our discipleship strategy was evangelism. And what he did is he began to really get his students to share their faith and articulate the gospel of Christ. And they began to pray for the lost. Uh, they began to make sure that the adult leaders and the student leaders fully embraced and model it. And I said, well, how did you, how did you recruit for this? And he said, you know, Greg, uh, most of my adult leaders are in their early 20s and have gone through my youth ministry. Because once I kind of began to build this philosophy, I kind of began to build my own farm club. And those graduating seniors become adult leaders who are used to setting the pace as students, and now they're setting the pace as adults. We have a very young adult leader group, which is which which I was like, man, that's a, that's a great idea. And the student leaders look up to them because they're just a few years older, and they think, man, I can, I can do this because they've been living this out as well. What's exciting is I asked them, I said, how does all this tie in with their spiritual growth and their time with Jesus? He goes, Greg, it is so easy. It's so easy. When you see evangelism start to drop off in one of our adult leaders or student leaders, I know that before that has dropped off, their time with Jesus has dropped off. Because I'm convinced that when students spend time with Jesus, they can't help but speak about him. It overflows into the way that they live and to the message that they share with their friends. So I deal with that. We talk about that when I see that dropping off. Luke Long has built and is building a youth ministry built on gospel advancing values. Their leaders fully embrace and model it. And I believe God's using Luke Long to make an impact in Arlington, Washington. God wants to use you to make an impact right, right where you're at. So get your adult leaders and student leaders on board and all in. And when they do that, when, they are, when they're clear in their message and they're courageous in their witness, when they're credible in their lifestyle, they will set the pace for the rest of your group in a powerful, powerful way. Let me pray for you. Father, I just pray for these leaders. Give them courage. Help them take this epic risk. For some of them watching this or listening to this, um, the epic risk is to shift their model of youth ministry, their mindset of youth ministry toward a gospel-advancing, disciple-multiplying one. Just like Luke Long did, Lord. He kind of just got rid of his old strategy and started with kind of a Jesus-based strategy of gospel advancement. And I pray you continue to bless him and his ministry and bless every youth leader watching this now. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what great information we heard from Greg. That was just incredible and so very helpful. I'm Carrie. And this is Jason. All right. And we are so excited today <laughs> to share with you some fun things, some 
takeaways, tips, and tools that we got and we hope that you can use in your ministry from Greg's message today. And so uh, first, just wanted to go through that outline that he shared, that it was you know, a clear message, a courageous witness, and a credible lifestyle, which are three great you know, things to keep in mind when you want to encourage your leaders to fully embrace the model of this and you as a leader to fully embrace the model of this as well. And for both of us, we talked about how Courage. really courage yeah, yeah really stood out courageous to us witness critical right yeah for sure yeah and specifically for me that line that said courage just you know inspires more courage and That's right i know we saw that lived out so many times when our student leaders or adult leaders were were living it out you know they were sharing their faith they were praying for their friends who didn't know jesus and man it just spread through the rest yeah. of the group courage cool inspires way. courage yeah and when yeah. people see that it's yeah. possible and you live through it and you can do it, then it just inspires more and more people to do it. I, I think the takeaway for me, and, and Greg referenced several times the Faith for Exiles book, but that quote, uh, we imagine that safety and security are kingdom values. I can't think how many times that came up in my ministry. And, and I remember as a youth pastor talking to parents about, we want our students to be everyday missionaries and sharing the gospel on campus. And, and I'll never forget, I had a mom come up to me afterwards and she's like, that sounds really good for like that superstar kid. I just want my kid to survive high school. Mm. Yeah. And it's just that yeah. like safety and security. And I hear her heart behind that. But the fact that safety and security is the bar that we've set, like that mm -hmm. misses the point and, and what we're raising our kids for is to be those missionaries, to be light yeah. in the darkness, which then goes on later in the quote, too many of our ministry efforts prepare people for a world that doesn't exist. Yeah. And I, wow. I think we really need to challenge mm -hmm. ourselves in our thinking that, that our kids are living in a world and going to school on campuses uh, that life just gets real and it gets gritty and we need to be preparing them to be a light in darkness and to be missionaries yeah. and, and not assume that uh, they live in some kind of bubble or that right. the goal is just to right. get them to survive that yeah. high school and middle school yeah, we experience. want them to thrive, right? I mean, Absolutely. And, and you hear that in prayer sometimes. I know whenever we would like, you know, leave right before a mission trip or something, we'd pray and, and always, you know, praying for safety. Yeah. And of course, that's great, but pray for we, bold we opportunities. don't want to just be safe. That's we right. can go anywhere and be safe, right? We, right. Want, we want to see God at work. And, and, so, and so, so from cool. that, takeaways, yeah. tips. My, my tip, and, and Greg talked about this today, is I think we really need to evaluate the, the bar that we set for our adult and our student leaders. Mm -hmm. Because the reality is those people that we put in leadership roles as adult and as students, that communicates to the rest of the group. That's what's important. That's what we're trying to replicate. And so yeah. we really need to evaluate, are the leaders that we've appointed, are they fully embracing and model a gospel advancing lifestyle? And if they're not, it doesn't mean you need to kick them out. It just maybe you as a leader us as leaders, we need to train and equip them to live it out and encourage that. And then as we look for new leaders to bring into our teams, both as students and adults, we're looking for leaders who are leading the gospel. Absolutely. Right? And yeah. not just yeah. they're responsible and administrative and can execute an event or a program, but are they sharing the gospel? Are they praying for the lost? Are they living this out? And yeah. that's what we, we, I think we just need to evaluate that leadership bar. Oh, it's huge. Yeah, definitely important. Yeah, another thing that I did with my leaders was um, made kind of whenever we did our meetings, we would make take five kind of a regular part of that meeting. And so we were constantly in prayer for each other's friends who didn't know Jesus and just really um, spending that extra time making sure that they were embracing and modeling, right. you know, what it meant to live a lifestyle of sharing the gospel and living the gospel. And that was outside of yeah. your youth group meetings. That was Absolutely, like a leadership yeah. meeting, just right. the five, six, seven of you in the yeah. room still doing take five in prayer. That's huge. Exactly. That's yeah. great. It was, it was super helpful to just keep us on track and modeling it as well. That's yeah. great. Carrie, Definitely. what tools you want to, we, we've got some tools we want to share with our, our viewers and listeners. What, what do you have for them? This, yeah, this well, definitely, obviously, when I encourage you to read this book, Faith for Exiles, Greg referenced that several times, such a powerful and insightful book. You can grab it on Amazon. 
Amazon and would love to hear what you think of it. I know it's got some some just amazing insights in it. Also wanted to encourage you to check out on YouTube the salt videos that we've created. If you haven't seen those yet, those are a great way for your leaders as well as your students to kind of start that gospel conversation with others and just kind of helps them, salt you know, think some pepper. think about salt some things. And pepper. Sorry. <laughs> it just go. struck me that we're it talking pepper, pepper seven salt, salt, salt and pepper, salt and pepper. Good combo. Good times, good times. <laughs> I, I would also encourage uh, you as leaders, as you think about leaders fully embrace and model this and, and the, the adult and student leaders that you are preparing to lead this with you. Uh, you need to check out Lead the Cause. Uh, go to the website, leadthecause.org. Uh, Greg describes this week as a rapid intensification process that within this one week from Monday through Friday, uh, you, certainly you can bring your student leaders. We'd encourage you to bring all your students. And as you go through the process of that week, uh, it is going to raise the bar of student leadership in your youth ministry, Lead the Cause. It will align your adult leaders around gospel advancing with you so that as you guys go home on Friday with a strategic action plan in place, with students committed to sharing and living the gospel out personally, it sets your group up for the next 12 months of ministry, raising the bar, and now you have adults and students that are ready to lead this with you. So I highly encourage you, leadthecause.org, check it out, sign up that you're interested, we'll follow up with you, but you do not want to miss Lead the cause this next summer. And if you're a youth leader that's like, I'm, I'm getting frustrated with the status quo, we're ready for something more, uh, then let go of the status quo and check out leadthecause.org. Again, thank you so much for tuning in this month. We're excited, as always, to have you on behalf of myself and Carrie and Greg and the whole Dare to Share team. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, until every teen everywhere hears the gospel from a friend, uh, we'll continue to pray and labor alongside each other. 